You know, it's funny, Dahlia El Ghazar, when we were at ETL Vegas, she told me, every time I see you, you have a different company badge on. <laughs> so like, I've been around a little bit, but it's interesting to hear because everybody, almost everybody I meet in events, they weren't originally thinking to be in events. They came from some other profession or interest. For me, it was like politics, communications, things like that. But I've heard like art history and all kinds of different professions, which is really interesting. Welcome to Events Demystified Podcast, where we explore and demystify the world of in-person, virtual, hybrid event AV production and technology by sharing insightful tips, tricks and tactics to make your events a success. This podcast is brought to you by Tree Fan Events, a woman-owned boutique event production agency. And your host is Anka Trifan, a technical event planner and producer with almost two decades of hands-on technical experience in event production. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Events Demystified Podcast, your one-stop shop for tangible, technical, and practical planning advice for anyone in the events industry. This podcast is sponsored by Trifan Events, and I am your host, Anka Platon Trifan. During this current season, if this is your first time tapping in, we are diving into the captivating world of AI, its practical uses for events, the opportunities, as well as the risk involved that we should all be aware of, as well as explore how this new technology, I mean, not so new, but kind of sort of really can change the way we plan, produce, execute events, and not just do that, but also affect the attendee experience. So today, I'm super excited to introduce our next guest, John Adamo. <laughs> he told me that this is an Italian last name. I, I better know how to say it right. So John Adamo, an expert with nearly a decade of experience in sales and events. Let's welcome John to the show and dive into an eventful discussion, unearthing the nuances of leveraging AI tools in the event industry. It's great to be here, Anka, and I'm excited for this, especially with AI excited, talk. I'm excited, especially about the AI talk. I'm so excited, so thrilled to have you here. And, you know, John, you've had quite a rich and varied career with different mm -hmm. stops, different places, Bizbash, Venue IQ, Yelp, and I've known you since Venue IQ, really. So yeah. let's get straight into our topic and give our audience a quick recap of this interesting journey that you you've taken over the years. Yeah, it's funny, Dahlia El Ghazar, when we were at ETL Vegas, she told me, every time I see you, you have a different company badge on. <laughs> so like, I've been around a little bit, but it's interesting to hear because everybody, almost everybody I meet in events, they weren't originally thinking to be in events. They came from some other profession or interest. For me, it was like politics, communications, things like that. But I've heard like art history and all kinds of different professions, which is really interesting. But for me, so I started at Yelp a little under 10 years ago. 
and really just learned about sales, started learning about tech there. But then I heard about BizBash from an agency and I was kind of looking for my next challenge. And so I spent the vast chunk of my career at BizBash, like six years kind of rising the ranks there, learning from the best, David Adler, Richard Aaron, and the team at BizBash and like how to do events. I did MPI Potomac and I was the networking events chair for MPI Potomac for two years because I didn't just want to learn how to sell, like sell sponsorships and advertising. I wanted to learn about our audience of event professionals and what they had to go through on a day-to-day basis. So that was really eye-opening because it was all about like planning events on yachts and the Get Hooked event and Spirit of Washington yacht and building run of shows for that and making sure that we had enough time for people to get off the boat so that if they wanted to make their Irish exit, they had two hours to get off the boat before we went sailing. You know, things like that I had to learn by doing. And so that was really cool. So I kind of rose the ranks at BizBash and then the pandemic hit. I decided to move to Florida to be closer to my family and join the tech world like a lot of people were doing around then, going from publishing to tech. So I spent a few years at Venue IQ, a UK-based tech company, and really was able to promote not just the company, but my personal brand, which was really important to me to do. And I learned all a lot more about event tech from the seller point of view. I remember in 2022, was it Connect in Puerto Rico? Yeah. When you were still with Venue IQ? Oh, yeah. That was so much fun. Like, I remember you were hosting a dinner for a lot yep. of us hosted buyers. And yep. that's one event that I remember thinking, John is such a cool guy. Like, I'm so grateful for people like that in our industry you know what I mean so that was definitely lots of fun and that's when I got to know you better and a few other event professionals that joined that happy hour or dinner I forgot exactly what it was but it was still so yeah. much so that's what I Thank remember you for that. when I think John and Venue <laughs> Well, I'm glad you think of that. So if you remember, you contributed to my Viva series, which was after IMAX America, and you contributed to that. And we were talking about conferences as the new workplace, and we were talking about unique destinations. And then we all went to Puerto Rico. And I had, it was like, practice what you preach. We all went to Puerto Rico. I had an event where everybody had a pina colada when they walked in, and we were right by the beach. I mean, you couldn't. The view was fantastic. Oh, man. I mean, the dream were good and we were like followed with cigars i mean come on this is puerto rico <laughs> it was great yeah no that was yeah so we had the street party after that that was great and i closed that was probably one of my most successful events because i think the uniqueness of the destination and everybody going through that together as a shared experience it was really great for just opening up and learning about each other and doing business so absolutely it's great and yeah and they do say i mean you close deals at the bar at the end of the day. So yeah, it was definitely a well-worthy event to partake in and also have some fun on the side. (laughs) Absolutely it was. Well, let's dive deeper into that because I'm super curious. We were just talking about this topic of AI matchmaking. I think it was Julius in a previous episode and how Mm. it's so frustrating sometimes to join a conference and wanting to meet the specific people that make sense for your unique niche and having to go through this list. If there's like, say, a conference like South by Southwest and there's like thousands of registrants, I my name starts with T. And if somebody's going to put a list out 
out there with alphabetical order of people. By the time somebody gets to my name, it's probably going to be 2027. So it's so important to have some type of system in place where it's going to match make me to the right person, to the right people that I want to meet. Because otherwise I'm wasting my time. And honestly, nobody's got time for that. Neither me, neither the rest of the industry. So talking about how as we're diving deep into this world of AI and it's important to highlight the broader landscape of the tools that are available out there and any other key tools as a second part of the question that you might want to highlight that event professionals can look into increase their productivity or just increase their effectiveness when planning events. So how is AI exactly influencing then some of your choices when it comes to being productive and effective and stay on top of what's happening? So a few that I use personally that I think if you haven't just done the basic chat GPT yet, at the very least, go on there. Because whether you want to do a very preliminary draft of an article, and then of course you're going to change everything because you don't want to use that, but it's a good first vision of like, okay, this is what it could look like. Or maybe you want to build, now chat GPT can actually create a run of show. So it can literally now create your first draft of your run of show, and then you're going to have to make a bunch of tweaks. But like, at least you get your first, like you can literally put in, draft me a run of show for a two-day event that's focused on finance, uh, whatever. You can put the information in. So like at least chat GPT, that's like the minimum to just dip your toe in. And then you've got things like Fireflies. So Fireflies is great because it's a buddy on your Google Meets, you know, when you have your meetings and it'll listen, it'll do a transcript. It's like a plugin um, for Google for Chrome. Yep, a Chrome mm-hmm. plugin. And so it'll summarize your hour 30 minute meeting or whatever. It'll timestamp it with different things. And so I go back so that I can be a little bit more present on meetings and actually... Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes when you're note taking at the same time, you kind of lose it a little bit. I'm, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. So being able to use a tool where that does that for you um, and then really you can go back. On that, does it work with Zoom too or just for Google and Teams, you said? I haven't tried it on Zoom. We primarily use Google Meet. So that's what I use it for. Um, so but, you know, read, I'm sure it works on others. Read AI, it's another tool that I'm using for Zoom, for anyone nice. that's more of a Zoom. But what's even cooler, I don't know if Fireflies does that. It joins meetings on my behalf and I don't even have to get in the meeting to get the report of that meeting yeah. while I was talked, nice. what are the key points. So literally I get the notes, like I would have this personal AI assistant that was sitting in a meeting and there's meetings sometimes that I just, there's no reason for me to be part of, but then mm-hmm. I'm still getting the notes, you know? And I'm like, oh, okay, so I see what they talked about. Okay, I can follow up on that, right? So to me, that's so exciting. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can be in two places and what? You can. Yeah, you have a, a time machine almost. It's the closest we've got to a time machine, right? The other one is called Cider, and it's okay. a chat GPT sidebar. Mm-hmm. And so if you're Googling something, like you want to learn about a marinade or you want to learn about whatever, you type it in and you don't even have to go to a website to get a summary of what that item or person or whatever the keywords it is, it'll give you a summary of it. So you can get a basic snapshot before you start like going around to the sites. Kind of cool, you know, because you can learn a lot very quickly. And so for productivity, as we have more and more things to do and less time to do it in, having things like that to just have tools in your toolkit can really be helpful. I love it. Also keeping pace with how fast this technology is evolving is key, I believe, to not just make yourself more productive, 
productive. And we all want that. I mean, I think there's going to be a question of like, how productive can you get before it's too much, right? It's like, right. I don't know if there's a limit, but I'm just like wondering if there's ever going to be a limit put on that. But when it comes to crafting memorable events, and as AI grows even more prevalent, I can see how much potential it has to enhance our event planning processes and going, you know, from things like you said, smart matchmaking to personalized content to seamless attendee interactions. And all of those uses can be limitless. So I'm curious, John, because I'm keen to listen to hear what and how you have leveraged tech in the past to enrich experiences at major events such as South by Southwest that we just mentioned and Comic-Con. And I'm sure the audience is all ears for some of the behind the scenes tales from this grand scale event. So can you give (laughs) us some examples on how you've potentially used technology to maybe overcome challenges in the past and some sweet stories that you might remember? And do you feel like the main challenges that could potentially come in the future would be AI related for anyone that's new to this topic. Yeah, I think to kind of go backwards and just general statement on it is that in some cases, while you have your events that are really innovative and you see those a lot on BizBash and you see those a lot in some of these magazines and promoted, but a decent chunk of our industry tends to be lagging behind, right? And so you still see people with binders, you still see people with Microsoft Word, and it had the, the embracing of technology tends to be a little bit behind. With a U- um, USB stick coming with a presentation. There you go. <laughs> Four by three. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's called Google Drive. <laughs> you know, it's free. Oh my God, um, I know. Yeah, you still get USB sticks when you're buying a car, too. That's the other thing. It's like things like that. I got a USB stick just a couple months ago when I got my latest <laughs> that is uh, Honda. But yeah, so technology, I mean, when has it not been a part of my life is really, I think, the larger question. But I've used things like, so when I started MPI Potomac, we hadn't really gone into like Google Sheets yet. And I kind of brought it from Excel and, you know, static to, okay, let's get this more of a collaborative environment. So let's do Google Sheets. We'll share everybody on it. Let's build the run of show there. And so whether it was planning the Spirit of Washington yacht, uh, get hooked events or Derby Days, which is all for the Visit Louisville, you know, and you kind of had your mint juleps and Derby Days celebrations every year, whatever the case may be, I think that that really helped in terms of collaboration when it came to planning the events. There are things that happen sometimes that you don't expect, like when your AV and your main stage just stop, doesn't work when the speaker is coming on. And even if you've run tests and then the AV people are like hightailing it out and then you're like, what do you do? And you have to run everybody to the side stage where the AV was working. That'll never happen with Anka, of course, because because <laughs> she'll make sure that that never happens. But, no, you know, I never see never happen. in events because I'm telling oh, you, the moment uh, you do something crazy, it's yeah, gonna get you. Exactly. Knock on some wood. Yeah. There yeah. You go. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> I'll knock on some wood there, but no, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Anything can happen. And I say the same thing with tech too. So generally speaking though, what are then the main challenges that you see event professionals dealing with when it comes to incorporating AI in events? Yeah. In general, not just with grip, but in general, like I said before, a decent chunk of the industry tends to be lagging behind when Mm -hmm. it comes to that stuff. So why do you think that is? 
Well, I think that, you know, and this is a conversation you hear a lot on LinkedIn and everything else about like bringing in younger demographics. So not just having like a token young professionals thing, but actually how do we bring demographics into the industry? So I think that that's one of the big challenges and struggles that the industry has been facing, especially with what's happened with the pandemic, people exiting the industry. So I think that we need to be making sure that we have really approachable opportunities for everybody, for diverse perspectives. And I know that Anka, you're big on that diversity in events. And, you know, so even in, when I, when I put together a panel now, I have a 50, 50 rule. Mm -hmm. So I don't do a panel that's lower than 50%, either female or diverse representation on the panel. Yeah. Usually it's 75 even, like it go above, mm -hmm. you know, and try to bring it up. Because I think that's important to hear from everybody yeah, and, and a lot of different backgrounds and perspectives. So what I hear you say is that in order for us to navigate the AI tech wave, you know, it's coming and it's coming with vengeance, is to incorporate more diverse event planners mm -hmm. and bring them to the table so that if you are one of the older generational type of person that is not necessarily as ready to embrace what's happening, at least we have around the table people that are because we can't stay in right. the same place. We got to grow. Now, when it comes to AI, and generative AI's rapid mm -hmm. content creation is obviously steering some existential queries uh, oh, among yeah. creatives. And my thought is, I don't think it can replace human thought. It's nowhere to be there. It's not going to get there, right. but it definitely can streamline tasks and add flair. However, it does lack independent cognition so far. And mm -hmm. we're not going to go any further than that because we don't know what's coming. What I want to hear is from you, how do you maybe discern which AI technology to adopt if yeah. you have to make a decision and what impact do you see it having on event planning and execution based on those choices? Yeah, this answer is going to sound very 101 and basic, but thinking about your event objectives, thinking about what the actual needs of the event are and making sure that you have the right tools for the job, leveraging consultants like yourself, like you mentioned, Julius Solaris, people like that are in grip. We try to be as well and like tap into resources, be a sponge, learn what's out there and subscribe and follow people who are kind of, you know, they make it their mission every day to bring these things together. So yeah, I think it comes down to objectives. It comes down to what technology do you need for the job? And like I said, grip comes in in particular when matchmaking has been a struggle. If somebody comes to you and says, maybe a couple of sponsors have said, you know, my ROI hasn't been so hot. We experienced that before the acquisition at BizBash even. Like when you're selling trade shows and conference and booth space, things like that, making sure that you are doing it in a way where you're leveraging the best ideas and AI and tools in the industry. You're offering one-on-one -on -one appointments. Like I don't do a show now. We don't sponsor shows. And I did this at the last place too, if there isn't like appointments package. Because if there's an appointments package, and you're being connected with like-minded people who are interested in similar topics, similar needs, then you have a better chance of actually making partnerships happen, right? So you just need to look at, are your sponsors, exhibitors telling you that you need more value? Are, what are you hearing? And whether it's grip or whether it's another tool, or whether maybe your productivity hasn't been great and you want to bring in, like we talked about, one of these, some of these side tools or even like Slack or even like a, a Discord. People are starting to use Discord now, not just for video games or hobbies, 
but now people are using Discord for team communications. So these are the tools that you can just ask yourself, be introspective about it and like think what is going to benefit your event, your organization, and then go from there. Absolutely. Staying open to what's happening, monitoring the trends, staying tech savvy is what keeps, you know, AI in events innovative. And if you don't know where to start, like you said, you know, start looking at the people that know and attend some tech events and ask some questions. There are so many experts out there that are more than willing to collaborate to help you deliver the value that your events is seeking. Take grief, for example. So obviously it's exciting. We live in such times and it's so exciting. And I can't wait to hear more about what's happening, what's going to happen in this AI journey that we're sure. all embracing, like, like it or not, and seeing what's going to do for our industry. Now, before we do all of that, and before we continue our conversation, we're going to take a quick, quick break to recognize our podcast sponsors. And on return, John will debunk some of AI misconceptions that event professionals should know all about. So stay tuned, don't go anywhere. And we will be right back. Before we move any further, I wanted to give a quick shout out to our main sponsor, Trifan Events, which is a boutique event planning and production agency that will come alongside you, offering personalized event planning and technical support, strategic event design, production and technology management, and flawless execution for live, virtual, and hybrid events. The team at Trifan Events is passionate about planning and producing event experiences that get people involved with true moments of interaction, engagement, and co-creation while offering white glove treatment throughout the entire planning process, enabling you to reach your event goals with the use of creativity, production tools, and event technology. To find out how Trifun Events can plan and produce your event become memorable, go to trifunevents.com. All right, welcome back. If you're just joining us, we have John Diadamo. He is with us today to unearth the nuances of leveraging AI tools in the event industry. So John, returning from the break, I'd love to hear from you your thoughts on harnessing the potential of AI effectively. And as we both know, we talked about personalization and how important mm -hmm. that's becoming and how important matchmaking is right. for ROI and just in general for events and how grip really can change the game for your event if you're looking yeah. for that type of tool. Now, we're also looking at other tools that could help with analyze preferences and behaviors and past interactions and suggest relevant content, sessions, workshops, whatever it is, networking mm -hmm. opportunities that really personalizes your journey when you attend event or when you plan events for your attendees. So how has the adoption of AI in the event industry evolved over the years as you saw it? And where do you see us going? Yeah. So what's been interesting at BizBash, we brought in the first ever, I helped uh, orchestrate the first ever chatbot sponsorship. So we originally did like this, your standard event app sponsorship, but then we brought in an AI chatbot company who was 42 chat. They do kind of chatbots for events and it was an AI based technology, but also it was human interaction on the back end. 
So if there was a question that the AI couldn't answer, then there would be a human being to kind of back it up if need be. And I thought that that was a really cool way to make it a little bit of a different sponsorship than it had been in the past. And so I think that that was very innovative and different from really, again, practicing what we preach. So I think that we you started to see things like chatbots emerge mm -hmm. back then. And now it's about how is AI be assisting you in all your facets of event planning in make it, like I said, chat GPT can make a run of show now. So you can do things like that before you even have your event over time. And so where do I think that the industry is headed? I think that we are, as some of what, what we've seen recently on LinkedIn and articles about in-person coming back to a level that, you know, we're getting close to 2019 level now. And so that's fantastic because I think people have a desire to meet. They have a desire to see each other. But then it's not what we learned from 2020. There were a couple of good bits, believe it or not, in all of the crap. There were a couple of good bits. I mean, we need a silver lining, <laughs> right? <laughs> and, and one of them was data and personalization and learning from virtual, like, here's the data that you can sponsor exhibitor could, could receive. And so now how do you bring that into a fully in-person experience, right? And so whether you're utilizing grip, if you need matchmaking sponsorship capabilities, whether you're using another tool, maybe matchmaking isn't so important, but you still want that analytic, the post-event analytics for your sponsors and exhibitors, whatever the case may be, I think we've learned that it's no longer about how many people are at your event, but are the right people at your event? It's no longer about having a one size fits all, but it's about personalization. So I think that that's uh, just some of the learnings and that will, I think, continue going into 24, 25 and beyond. Also just getting, just being bolder when you're planning. Like I remember going to events before the pandemic that were like 20 people in a ballroom that could have been done in a virtual setting and then you'd have an audience of 200. Now what we're seeing is that some of these associations and some of these conferences are having these mini events online virtually, and then you have your anchor in-person events in between. So yeah. that way you have a much better audience throughout instead of you have these monthly education events and you're lucky to get 20 people in a big hotel ballroom and the aesthetics of that don't look that great, right? But then if you have it, that piece could be done virtually and you have 10x the audience. So it's just, I think about getting being smarter. And then when you have in-person events, why should somebody come? Why should somebody care? Making sure that every in-person experience is memorable and yeah. unforgettable so that people see the value of coming out to a multi-day conference. Like, why should they come? Well, maybe because there's something that they've never seen before in holograms, or maybe there's something that they've never seen before in activations, that they'll get to meet with the right people at the right time, or whatever the situation is, having a reason for people to travel, not just, hey, let's travel to this conference, but why? And I think that's where we're going. Absolutely. There's so many incredible ways in which I can see AI transforming the way we think about the future and offering such immense potential. We touched a little bit on diversity a little earlier before the mm -hmm. break, but there's something that I wanted to mention here more is, you know, AI is new and because especially ChatGPT takes much of its information from what's being entered, it's obviously mm -hmm. reflecting the creator's values. And that means that it can intentionally amplify 
identify inequality. Now, unchecked past discrimination can become part of everyday algorithm systems, and that's never a good thing. Right. Even professionalists, right. especially those that are championing diversity, I see myself as someone that's championing diversity in AV and equity inclusion. You need to be aware of those things and scrutinize the data sources right. that AI is providing you with and lean heavily not just lean heavily on it for whatever it is that you need to do your run of show or your topic generation for content or for your next agendas, like create some amazing topics. But you have to be aware that not everything that's entered there is going to support your efforts. So right. I guess while the quest for original content is challenging in an era where attendees crave unique experiences, over-reliance on AI for content could somehow backfire you know it can only mimic what is fed so right. the algorithm might produce something that looks like original content or original thought but the absence of a distinct tone of a voice is a tell sign that it is not and it's going to lead to maybe a lot of conferences content that looks very much the same and that yeah. is not something that we want right no. imagine every web professional no. out there relying on it and everybody's agenda looking no. somewhat yeah. the same. <laughs> so i always say it's good for product like i use it as a tool don't use it as the end-all be-all I think right. that's so, the, the take-home point. Exactly. So I guess considering this type of factors, as we're looking at future trends and future growth for AI in events, do you have any thoughts on what are some of the considerations to look at? You just mentioned one, you know, it's like, yes, it's a tool in the toolbox, but anything else that you want to add to that? Yeah, well, I think you hit it on the head earlier when you said that the human touch is always going to be important in the process and bringing in diverse perspectives, backgrounds. We've always got to remember that DEI is such a, it's a topic that we're starting to hear more about in the last few years. And so, like I said, I have my own rule where any panel that I put together is 50, at minimum 50-50 or higher if possible, bringing in those diverse backgrounds. Now, as we are looking towards this future, and we know that it presents a challenge for a lot of people that cannot keep up or even for maybe newcomers. And mm -hmm. speaking of newcomers, I'm curious if you want to share any valuable advice as to if you're just starting your career in the event industry, and a lot of things have happened in the last nine months alone, let alone three years, right? What advice would you give to those that are new to the industry? So there's two pieces that I've learned I mean, I've learned a lot, but there are two that I'll share now just to keep it brief. So one that my mentor, David Adler, always used to say is go to everything, do everything. And so when you're early in your career, making sure that you're getting out there, you're seeing, you're learning from, you know, some of the events that are out there, but also doing, like learning by doing. So that's my second piece of advice is jump into an association where you can actually get involved with something like I did. I was two years into my events career, jumped into MPI Potomac, the deep end and planning their events. And, you know, not everything went perfectly. As I said, we had issues and we had things that we had to smooth over, but you learn from your successes. You learn even more from your failures. And so I think I got that from Game of Thrones. But you learn from your successes. You learn just as much or more from your Your failures, other mentor. So. 
<laughs> right. <laughs> so yeah, so I would say that just go to everything, do everything when you're early and just really try to roll up your sleeves and find a association or something. Because trust me, the associations, they all want volunteer help. They all do. So you will find people who are more than willing to let you join in and be part of a planning team or be part of something. There's also something I don't know if you've heard called Invent You uh, with Latoya Lewis in DC, yeah. where they're actually mentoring high school and diverse youth and teaching them how to do event planning. So there are definitely different resources out there now, you know, so that you can get involved wherever you're at in your journey. Yeah. And especially as you're starting in your career, you probably have way more bandwidth than some of more seasoned professionals. And there are also more grace to some of right. the learning experiences that you're going to have because volunteer, one, two, you're starting off. And three, if you're hungry to learn, there's going to always be people around you that would be more than happy to share their experiences and share their learning experiences that came the hard way. So you don't have to repeat it, right? So excellent advice. I definitely stand behind that. And I've done my share of volunteering for sure. Now, as we come towards the end of our conversation here, I like to shift gears and focus on the well-being of event professionals, because that is mm -hmm. something that we did value, not just on the podcast, my team does, but also someone that's passionate about fitness. I am curious to hear from you about how you incorporate exercise and healthy habits into your busy schedule as an yeah. professional. I mean, mental and physical fitness are so important for anyone, but even more so for us in demanding careers like events. So how do you personally maintain your mental and physical well-being in the middle of long hours, traveling, Right. planning, producing, hosting events and all the things. Well, the first thing I would say that I would recommend to anyone is work-life balance. Do your absolute best to find maybe a role where maybe one of your questions in the interview process is what's your work-life balance like? Anytime I'm considering joining a company, that's a question I ask. What is the work-life balance? And it's a question that people are afraid to ask sometimes because you don't want people to think that you're not going to give it, give your effort. But Grip was very cool about it. And so was Venue IQ and BizBash. And you, you leave your work at work and then you go and enjoy your weekend, your Friday night whatever the case may be. So you mean that Slack channel is not on all the time? <laughs> <laughs> no, I have the settings on where it goes off at 6 p.m. every day so that I don't get the pings. But yeah, so I would say absolute, do your absolute best to leave your work at work if you can. I know that there are some events roles where you're doing your Saturday night load-ins and your other things. So then find a chunk of time, whatever that looks like for you in your schedule. I just think it's so important to do that. And then what do you do in that time? that's where fitness and kind of physical and mental fitness come in, right? So from a mental side, I'll start there. I'm a big believer in therapy. I personally had a lot of issues in my childhood and things I won't go into here, but things where I needed some therapy. And so I did three years, some in person and then some virtual with the pandemic where I did like three years of therapy. And it was so helpful to learning about myself and learning about how to deal with situations and how to navigate life mental health coaching also. Well, I already did therapy and I already went through my childhood and I already did all those things. Well, there's also something called mental health coaching, which I call it like a top off. So it's like, it's not the full on, you know, you're going to dive into everything, but it's about like tools in your toolkit that you can learn. You know, maybe you have a lot of thoughts and maybe you want to pluck one thought out like a leaf 
and then you acknowledge it and then you put it on the stream. So it's like leaves on a stream and you just take a moment to do that a little bit of meditation, the Calm app, the Headspace app, all those things help. Rosebud. I just discovered a new one, Rosebud AI, amazing for journaling and doing exactly what you just said. Like you want to process one thought at a time and it gives you prompts. Like you go dive deep, like it's like having a therapist, you know, only it's free. Because let me tell you, I mean, I'm all for therapists. I'm all for professionals that can really, really support your growth. I've also had some therapists that I'm like, I feel like I'm teaching you instead of like the opposite. Exactly, exactly. But I also love the fact that as a man, you acknowledge the importance because I feel like sometimes ladies, women, us were like, I need therapy. Like I need to process the never ending voices in my head. But a lot of the same living that men go through goes unprocessed because they don't acknowledge the importance of giving it space. You know, like you just said, going and talking about things that you just keep suppressing. And then no wonder that there's a lot of things that sometimes come at the surface out of nowhere in the middle of like what just happened you know what i mean absolutely yeah mental is big for me and then physical you know in the past i had kind of been off and on about exercise and diet and things like that and then about seven months ago i kind of got a wake-up call from my doctor like you're headed into pre-diabetes you need to change Mm. something pretty drastically and i decided uh, you know i'm going all in i'm hiring a personal trainer because i needed somebody to push me and kind of help me get keep you accountable keep me accountable, get through with the training process. And so now I'm working out five, six times a week. I'm doing at least one fitness class a week. And I've tried a lot of them like Zumba, yoga, cycle, spin class, you name it. I've probably tried most of them, but not all of them. And so that's now a part of my routine every day. And I think it's just been so helpful from a general life perspective, because like, it's just when you start doing it and you start day to day, implementing it in your routine. I mean, I've lost 15 pounds already, 10% body fat. I'm down a lot. And I have to go after this and do some suit alterations because we have the BizBash Connect coming up. So we've got to, I got to get that done because now everything doesn't fit. That's the side effect, guys. That's (laughs) That's the side effect. Now everything doesn't fit. So I have to, I have to now make sure that that I don't look terrible when I go to Minneapolis. So um, <laughs> that's exciting. Well, I love all, the all fact that it. you try different things to see what works for you. I feel like that's so important in figuring out, okay, so bodybuilding might not be for everyone, right? right like right. lifting weights, but maybe you enjoy the spin class or maybe you enjoy, I don't know, CrossFit or you enjoy running. I don't know, like whatever it might be, like give it a try or the Zumba class. Oh my God. Don't get me started with Zuma. Like I'm the worst Zuma dancer that there is. Like everybody's going oh, this me direction. Too. Oh, I can go yeah. in this direction. Yeah, same. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm terrible at it, but I, it burns a lot of calories. So it's all good. You can be terrible, but it's still, you still burn a bunch of calories. Apple watch tells me I'm burning like 500, 600 calories doing it. it. I don't care if I look terrible. I'll just, (laughs) I'll just be in the back, you know, I'll just be away from, so people don't judge me. We have our own instructor class here. So don't worry about us. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So no, it's big. That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing your tips. And I'm a big fan of work-life integration because I am still to find a balance in my life when it comes to like work and lives and my fitness routine. So if I can integrate everything together, I am happy and I know that I can be productive and do the things that I love, mix it with the things that are important and the things that build the business. So 
So I feel like everybody's got to absolutely ask that question, especially if you're working for somebody else. Like, what is your policy? What is your process around that? Because mm -hmm. nobody wants to like work nonstop. I mean, I'm a bit of a workaholic and I'm the worst boss that I ever had, but that's on me. Like I've got to be responsible for my own choices and accountable for the things that I do. And that's where working out really frees a bit of that stress and a lot of the burden that, I, you know, many times you carry without even knowing. So with all of that being said, we definitely came to time here. It's so exciting that we got to talk and I think we're going to see each other in Minneapolis. Looking forward to that for sure. Making sure to check out that suit that you got offered <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and be like, okay, John, there you have it. There now, we go. I, when... hope that, I hope that's what people think. <laughs> that, that's the goal. I love it. So where can our audience connect with you, John, before you get to Minneapolis and meet yeah. some of us in person? Yeah. My email is john.diadamo, D-A-D-A-M-O at grip.events. I'm on Twitter slash X. I'm just going to call it Twitter and Instagram and all of them pretty much TikTok, threads, you name it. If you like college football, I also host two shows on Voice of College Football on YouTube. So I do that as a side project. So if you're into that, just check out YouTube and go to that. And I host the uh, the Michigan show and I host a show on the Big Ten Conference. So Mondays and Wednesdays. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm around. I love it. Well, I'm going to have all those links in the episode notes. So anyone that is curious where to find you, they'll be able to do that. And for everyone that's tuning in, well, this is it. Thank you so much, John, again, for joining me today. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in. If we enjoyed our conversation with John, don't forget to subscribe to the Events Demystify podcast to stay updated on our future episodes featuring some brilliant minds from the event industry. And until next time, well, keep innovating, keep building strong events and communities and keep crafting those unforgettable event experiences that we're all looking forward to join and partake in. And with that, this is your host, Anka Trifan, signing off. Thank you, John, for your time with us today. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Events Demystified podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please take a moment to review it, rate it, and share it with other event professionals that could benefit from it. Connect with us on social at Events Demystified Podcast. We would love to hear from you and what you're up to. If you'd like to learn more about Tree Fan Event Services and find out if we're a good fit in supporting your event, can we help your event be successful with a 20-minute free consultation? Link in the episode's notes. Thanks for tuning in.